using ZEO as a way to gain access to an entire sector, we think makes a lot of sense. You're not just buying one or two companies here. You're getting exposure to the entire sector of oil and gas producers that should benefit from these higher oil prices. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. A lack of production cuts from OPEC drove oil prices higher this week, with some analysts predicting that crude prices may once again reach $100 per barrel. In this episode, Mark Reyes, Chris McKinney, and Matt Montemuro explain why an equal-weighted approach to energy can help investors manage risk, especially as the economy continues to reopen and demand for oil increases. Our experts also explore fixed-income assets, REITs, quality stocks, and the benefits of a covered-call bank exposure. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our BMO ETFs weekly insight call. I'm your host, Mark Rays. I'm the head of product for BMO GAM Canada. I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. We appreciate your time today. We're joined today by Chris McKaney and Matt Montemiro, both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Chris focuses on equity and derivative strategies while Matt focuses on fixed income ETFs. So thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Good morning. Thanks for having us, Mark. Good morning. Great. Well, let's dive right into things. And I'd like to start with an update on oil, which has certainly been topical so far this week. And as well, uh, if we look back a little bit, it's been setting certainly recent highs. I definitely noticed that when I uh, filled up the car with gas earlier this week. We know that the Canada trade has been a big winner this year. And from the most recent flows report, our ZCN ETF has been a very popular vehicle with advisors. Can you step right into the oil conversation? Give us an update on what's been going on with OPEC and specifically put it in context with ZEO, our oil ETF. Thanks. Sure. And as you say, um, oil hitting recent highs here, um, levels that haven't been seen really in almost three years now um, on the back of significant demand as economies reopen globally. Um, Specifically around OPEC, uh, you might recall last year during, um, you know, economic uh, lockdowns, demand for oil collapsed significantly and OPEC uh, met and agreed to cut uh, the amount of oil they produce on a daily basis in order to uh, stabilize pricing there uh, in the face of that weak demand. Um, And so that agreement really goes until April of 2022. And now in the face of economic reopenings and increasing demand, OPEC has been meeting recently to talk about potentially increasing um, some of that output. Um, Now, they have met for two days and did not come to any sort of agreement. It's really around not necessarily about increasing production today, but about how long to um, extend that previously um, agreed upon uh, arrangement where um, they would have those production cuts extend to April 2022. 
um, some countries looking to extend that even further. And so on the face of that, you know, oil continuing to be bid here um, with no um, production cuts, at least in sight as of now anyway, you know, certainly that can change uh, depending where negotiations go. Um, but as of now, you know, no production cuts from OPEC that is continuing to, to provide a bid to oil prices globally, um, both in North America and in Europe. Um, and certainly providing a, a fairly high price. And now we're starting to see analysts predict $100 oil again. Um, so we're, we're certainly seeing very, very high uh, demand for oil as well. And so that's, that's keeping that price up as well. In terms of how to gain access to that, you know, you mentioned ZEO, our equal weight oil and gas ETF provides exposure to the Canadian listed um, oil and gas producers in an equal weight basis. We think that's a great way to really play this sort of strategy, um, to play this, this um, theme of this economic reopening and continued demand for oil. You know, we think demand globally for travel and things like that should continue um, into the near future, into 2022, uh, certainly. And so um, using ZEO as a way to gain access to an entire sector, we think makes a lot of sense. You're not just buying one or two companies here you're getting exposure to the entire sector of oil and gas producers that should benefit from these higher oil prices um, as, again, demand can, is expected to continue and sustain some of these higher prices uh, into the near future. Of course, again, the risk to that is OPEC coming to some sort of agreement on, on production increases that might destabilize the price a little bit. Um, uh, but certainly we think it should stay elevated for, for the near future and into 2022 as well. Thanks for that, Chris. Matt, I'll come your way now. After the sharp increase in yields we've seen earlier this year, uh, now we've seen the Government of Canada tenure slide back towards about 130. What has caused this course correction? And what's your outlook for the rest of the year if you put it in the context of ZAG, our aggregate ETF. As well, your thoughts on overweighting either to the short or long end of the curve at this point. Thanks. I believe it is more of a reaction of how quickly rates rose to start 2021 rather than a, a reversal or some sort of um, big correction. Now, I think the upward yield action uh, that we saw to start 2021 wasn't sustainable. And given that the recovery has been anything but a straight line, I think that does make sense that we've seen, you know, some repricing in the 10-year and some flattening of the yield curve. You know, in June alone, we saw the the, uh, the yield curve uh, in both Canada and the U.S. flattened by about 23 basis points, you know, reflecting some of the risks that continue to plague markets overall. You know, specifically looking at what the causes of that flattening has been, you know, we've had some mixed economic dat data that's been indicating that growth and the recovery may be slowing down. Uh, you know, that being said, Canada has continued to be plagued by lockdowns that have hurt that recovery uh, path. So just something to consider there. You know, inflation has been a hot topic and inflation data continues to highlight the news, um, continues to be highlighted in the news. And, and those fears are really starting to be realized in real time. You know, I think the real worry here is that some of those elements of the realized inflation that we're seeing are seeming to be a little bit more than just transitory. So that's something that I think everyone is closely monitoring in the markets. 
From a COVID perspective, we've, seen, we've had a resurgence of variants globally, uh, and that's starting to spread uh, across Canada and the U.S., you know, furthering fears that we may not be done with this pandemic just yet, and that future lockdowns could impact uh, our, our recovery and uh, reopening growth path. And then finally, which I think was the biggest factor uh, of this flattening, was the FOMC meeting that led investors to believe that rate, rate hikes could be coming sooner than expected. Now, I think that was a big shock here and, and I think definitely caused uh, and, and impacted the repricing that we saw for June. You know, I think hiking expectations tend to flatten the yield curve. So you start to see short-term rates rise on those hike expectations and long-term rates start to fall. And, and this is exactly what we saw post-FOMC in June. And we're going to continue to monitor today as the minutes of that meeting uh, are published uh, later today. So, you know, what's next? What can we expect for the rest of 2021? You know, as I've said for a while now, you know, this recovery is not going to be a straight line. You know, we've seen it so far in 2021 that, you know, it's been quite, quite volatile. And I expect the recovery for the rest of the year to follow along that same course and that same path. You know, that being said, I do believe we are in a long-term rate rising environment. You know, we are still in, in an environment where we're historically low rates. So I believe rates have upward pressure going forward and that's going to continue. So from an attribution and performance perspective on your fixed income, you know, duration in this type of environment will continue to be a drag on performance. That being said, looking at Zag, I do continue to look at Zag as a as a prudent core to your fixed income portfolio. You know, as we saw in June, you know, there's there's volatility here, uh, and with rates continuing to be volatile, which I expect for the rest of the year, Zag is a perfect way to basically stay in the game, stay uh, stay invested because Zag covers every aspect of the fixed income universe and allows you to benefit from any retracement and repricing. So months like June are the reason why you want to keep Zag as the core to your portfolio. It's that protection from a non-straight line recovery. So to complement that Zag uh, core positioning, I would look to reduce my overall interest rate exposure with shorter duration assets. And specifically, I would look on a more corporate overweight. So I would look at products like ZCS, our short corporate bond, ZQB, our quality bond, one to 10 year, and ZBBB, our triple B rated one to 10 year bond. All of these come to mind as perfect tickers that would be an excellent complement to my ZAG core, reducing your overall uh, duration with that long-term trend of rising rates, but maintaining exposure with that core to navigate some of that short-term volatility that we're bound to see for the remainder of the year. So, you know, I think um, core uh, portfolio Zag is still very, very prudent, but, you know, doing a couple uh, changes and compliments might help you navigate this, the rest of 2021 and beyond as, as we see rates rise uh, and we, and we, we get a stronger footing on the recovery. You are listening to Views from the Desk, a weekly edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying today's discussion, we encourage you to check out our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM's product suite. Tune in to episode 75 in the same podcast series where we take a deeper look at genomics-focused ETFs, including the BMO MSCI Genomic Innovation Index ETF, ticker ZGen.
Learn how this new frontier in healthcare can deliver long-term benefits for growth-oriented investors. Let's switch back to the equity side of things, where we're seeing more and more announcements, of course, about back to the office and continued reopening in the economy. We've seen this reflect in the returns of ZRE, our REIT ETF, which has certainly outpaced the Canadian market this year. Advisors have been asking if that trade will continue to be sustainable or has it been played out a bit. Your thoughts on ZRE? Thanks. Yeah, I can take this one as well, Mark. Uh, you know, ZRE has performed very well year-to-date, outpacing the, the composite as vaccination rollout continues. And we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel in, ter- um, in terms of going back to our uh, normal lives you know, post-pandemic. Now, I believe the fundamentals of ZRE, uh, of the ZRE trade continue to be sustainable and have legs throughout the rest of the recovery and reopening. You know, as we look at the reopening, I think much of the uncertainty around office, retail, and residential REITs, you know, should start to subside and, you know, at a minimum start to be reduced. That uncertainty will be reduced at, from the market as a whole. So over the short term, I do think these subsectors could be strong drivers of performance as the economy begins to normalize and as we go back to, uh, to uh, you know, our normal working ways. However, you know, I do think that the pandemic has changed the way we work as a whole. And, you know, I think that's going to be uh, shown in hybrid working models that are being considered and adopted by companies. And I do think this will change how we view uh, the REIT space going forward. So, you know, short-term drivers, I look at uh, office, retail, and residential. But if you look longer term, I think the REIT space is starting to evolve. Uh, and I think longer term, you know, we're positioned, uh, ZRE is positioned very well as smaller cap REITs in healthcare, industrials, um, and diversified subsectors should be drivers of future performance. And I think this is why the equal weighting methodology of ZRE, which has a greater focus on smaller cap names, should be very well positioned to continue to outperform as, this in, as the industry evolves and, and recovers. You know, we continue to see value in this trade as, as many of the constituents continue to trade below their pre-COVID levels. Uh, so, you know, I do think the ZRE trade continues to have legs and is sustainable uh, as we continue to uh, reopen and recover. And if you are looking for a more in-depth analysis of the REIT trade, you know, Alfred Lee has put out a fantastic trade idea called Playing the Long Game in REITs that you should take a look at, and it's available on the BMO ETF dashboard. Great. Thanks for that, Matt. Another equity question. We've seen quality ETFs deliver outperformance certainly over the last quarter. And this has been a factor that we've discussed quite a bit on these uh, podcasts. What is contributing to the recent excess returns? Can you put this in context using ZUQ, our U.S. quality ETF? Thanks. Certainly, we have seen this factor um, outperform recently. Um, I would say, you know, to start the year, quality really kind of trading sideways for that for that first quarter, and then and then starting to take off in the second quarter. I think really what is behind this is a return to you know what we'll call established uh, technology companies, and that includes you know some of those giants that are actually communication services, but you know overall broader technology companies. I'm talking about Alphabet, of course. Um, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Facebook, and the like. 
Um, and, and really, you know, again, what it comes down to is the market recognizing that, you know, whether lockdowns continue, whether we're reopening, um, you know, these large companies are not going away and, and have a, a big place um, in, in the marketplace and in the economy. Um, as well, we've seen a little bit of a transition with uh, inflation expectations and with um, interest rate expectations as well. And these are companies, again, that are very large, very cash generative and have a very good looking balance sheet. So they're not over levered. They don't have too much debt on the books. And so no matter where interest rates go, if they do continue to rise in the short end, um, if, if lending becomes pricier, these companies are not really going to uh, be hindered too much by that. And so these quality companies, again, strong balance sheets, consistent earnings stream, um, will be able to weather any sort of changes in the interest rate environment, whether that's inflation related or, or just real rates as well. And so that's really what has led um, this sort of outperformance, again, uh, of the quality factor. It's that focus on those larger companies, those strong balance sheets, um, and no matter, again, what the economic outlook is, you know, we think it's very strong over the next year or two, but whether there's hiccups in the road or not remains to be seen. These are the companies that are going to uh, come out the other end, uh, regardless uh, of how we get there, so to speak. And so those companies, again, the, the ones at the top of the uh, market cap spectrum um, and the ones that really have those strong balance sheets have been leading this charge. And again, it is the familiar names. It's it's the Alphabets slash Google, it's, it's Facebook, it's Apple and Microsoft and, um, you know, other companies um, in, in similar positions to those. And so we think, you know, as you mentioned, Mark, we've discussed um, the quality factor frequently on, on these podcasts. Um, it, was, it was one of our favorite exposures um, during the pandemic, during the lo initial lockdowns and coming out of that. Um, and we think for long-term investors, it continues to be a great way to to get access to growth, but you're doing it in a responsible way um, with, with large cap companies that are going to be able to ride out any bumps along the road. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. I think we have time for one more question, one that got emailed into us. For your cover call ETS, can you give us an update on the trade-off between ZEB, which is our equal weight banks, and ZWB, our uh, covered call banks? Thanks. Yeah, certainly, and banks have been, um, you know, at the forefront uh, recently as well in terms of performance, um, very topical um, as investors look for potential uh, dividend increases coming from both north and south of the border here. So we're waiting to see how that plays out um, in terms of the covered call environment and that volatility uh, landscape. You know, certainly we have seen volatility um, normalize a, a little bit here in the in the middle of 2021 uh, off of its elevated levels from 2020 and, and earlier in this year. Um, and so we are seeing a bit more normal, a return to normal uh, trade-offs between that, the moneyness of our call options and uh, the yield that they generate. And so, you know, particularly with the Canadian banks, you're looking at about um, that two and a half percent range in terms of both the moneyness of our options, as well as, um, the, the annualized yield that we're generating from our from our call options, and so um, investors can think about that as uh, you know banks can can rise about two and a half percent before that trade off is starting to be made in in turn for for generating that cash flow and, and getting that cash flow from those call option premiums. 
And again, both of those are at right around that two and a half percent range, which is kind of the historical norm for Canadian banks. Um, if you look at U.S. banks just south of the border, there's a bit more volatility there. Um, and so, you know, that moneyness is more about seven, eight percent. Um, so a little bit higher on that growth potential. Um, and the option premium we're, we're bringing in is a little bit higher as well. It's closer to that four to five percent annualized range. So a little bit more option uh, premium um, from, from the U.S. and a little bit more cushion from that growth potential as well. Um, but of course, a, a more volatile underlying exposure also. Well, with that, I think we're going to run out of time. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening in. Uh, we certainly appreciate you doing so. And of course, thanks to both Chris and Matt. Uh, some great insights today, some good talking points we can bring back to our own conversations, uh, and some great investable ETF ideas that you've, that you've brought to the table. So with that, I'd like to thank everyone one last time, and have a great day. Thank you to Matt Montemuro, Chris McKinney, and Mark Rays for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about ZEO, an energy ETF that provides equal weight exposure to Canada's major oil and gas producers. We also heard about ZRE for REITs, ZUQ for quality, ZWB for covered call banks, and multiple fixed income solutions to help your portfolios as the yield curve flattens. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.